It's always soccer in Philadelphia coming at you, not live, but in podcast format during your winter break, assuming that you have a break. You may be working today. It's that time of the year between Christmas and New Year's, and you don't really know what day it is or what time it is or where you are or what you're supposed to be doing. But I'm here in Fishtown with Baxter, and I've got Rush Joy joining me via the internet today. Russ, what's going on, man? Yo, man. Uh, you know what You know what time it is? It doesn't matter if anybody knows what time it is. It's time to trade a nice young uh, right back for Jack mm-hmm. Diddley squat. That's what time it is. It's, That's it's time, time to it let is. go. Time to let go of, of youthful guys that you might have had some promise in and uh, trade them for some allocation money. That's really nothing. So, so th- this is the uh, the the emergency podcast that never was. I was thinking about doing the emergency pod. Of course, the somebody's last, dead. Uh, if this is the emergency, somebody is long <laughs> dead and buried. Of course, the last uh, the, we did the um, Dave and Matt were over here to do the the year ender. I kept saying season ender during that episode, but it wasn't a season ender. It was a year ender. So they did the year ender, and uh, of course, I hit publish. And then like two hours later, I got the news that they traded Keegan Rosenberry. So I was like, oh, I could do a of emergency podcasts i could just hop on and say a bunch of shit but it basically be just me repeating what i had put on twitter you know so what the hell's the point um but i figured like what the hell it's still a topic worth talking about uh even a week later it's not like we're gonna get any other news between now and the next like what two weeks anyway right probably not so why not get russ on here we're gonna do russ and i are doing a two for one bingo recording special tonight it's a two for uh, we're going to do It's Always Soccer in Philadelphia. It's Thursday night. It's 9 o'clock. We're doing It's Always Soccer first, and then we're going to switch gears, and we're going to do Crossing Broadcast. Um, but yes, and then we're going to we're going to sit on uh, on Periscope and on Twitch, and we're going to watch the Sixers mm-hmm. game against no, the Utah God, Jazz yeah. tonight at 10.30 yeah. on TNT. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Bernard, that's terrible. Go ahead. Sorry. Yeah, I think, it's, I think it's terrible. Um, oh. I was gonna go to the shack. My Save shack is gonna sound like Joel Embiid. <laughs> you just have to trust the process. Uh, Save the Embiid. Yeah. Save coach, the Embiid for the. Ask coach. For, why? For the other one. Don't put me in the block. So Russ, here's how I want to start off the Rosenberry thing because I could just word vomit. I could word salad my way through this, but you know this needs to be a discussion. Um, so I actually want to kind of start the Rosenberry. You know, as we like to say in the industry, we like to advance the story. So it's there's no point in me really just sort of repeating what I already said about Rosenberry, but I want to kind of take a step back and look at what kind of got them to this point and kind of think about whether it makes sense. Okay. Nice. That was was that a cough? Are you okay? Yeah, I muted. I thought I muted. Oh, okay. Ugh. Oh no, no, no. Well, I mean, I could still hear it in my headphones, but I don't think I don't think the listeners can hear. It. Okay. okay. So let, let me let me ask you this about the Rosenberry thing. Yeah. Kind of kind of taking it back to before the off season. If I if I told you coming out of that playoff game. That, you know, they're going to look at the roster. They're going to make some upgrades here. There's some positions of need. Would Where would the right back position have fallen on that list? Would you have said that right back is a position of need for them? No. At the end of the past season, no. I, I, I would have gone into another season expecting to see King and Rosenberry take a, a, a logical step forward and, you know, continue his progression as a player. I think he's a dangerous player being able to get up into the, the final third. I think you're able to create some overloads down that right flank and, and kind of create some interesting mismatches. And I really thought that, in theory, he was the kind of player that Ernst Tanner would have liked. Maybe he's a little bit too offensive-minded. Um, 
But I, I thought that in terms of transition, in terms of starting counterattacks, I thought Rosenberry was one of the better defenders on the team in that regard. So, no, I, I didn't expect this. And certainly I didn't think that it was a position that they needed to upgrade or, or move on from. The, the kid's only 25. Mm-hmm. And I think in the immediate aftermath, not to derail this, but like in, in the immediate aftermath, the way that people were talking about him, you know, moving on for, from him, they seem to be talking about him as if he was like a 33 year old or as if like he was to Marcus Beasley or something, you know? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. He's, yeah, he's yeah. 25. He's still learning the game. He's a local kid. And like this whole thing to me is just strange, but no, I, I wouldn't have thought they needed to upgrade at this position at all. Now upgrading at the pos- a position of need, you know, I guess could be defined differently than, you know, obviously if you can up theoretically, if you could upgrade at any position, you would try to do it. Right. Yeah. I mean, you could, if you could upgrade from, Andre Blake to uh, David De Gea, you would do it. It doesn't necessarily. <laughs> Let's piss off all the United fans. <laughs> oh God! Oi, we, we got two wins uh, since we got rid of uh, of of, of uh, Jose Mourinho. I don't know what you've seen. You know, Setti's over there going two losses in a row across this, across town. It's a new day for Manchester. Yeah, and I'm done. Ole Gunnar Solskjaer is going to deliver us to the promised land. We got a we got a big win over Cardiff, <laughs> and uh, who else did they beat? Boy, some of the shitty team. Cardiff ain't part of the championship, though. You know what I mean? Yeah. I'm done. <laughs> I'm done. I swear. So listen, all right. So it's one thing to have a position of need. It's another thing to just make an upgrade where you see it. You know, like you said, Keegan Rosenberry is only 25 years old. By all by all intents and purposes, he's entering his prime right now or he's in his prime uh he's making less than two hundred thousand dollars uh you know starting right backs who are 25 years old who are domestic players do not count as internationals i mean those those players don't grow on trees you know what i mean no it's Um, and it's especially helpful obviously in the u.s open cup not having as you mentioned to use an international roster spot like right right and he's a guy that you were super high on in 2016 i mean remember 34 games played every single freaking thing all these stories that we wrote about him here's the hometown kid from lancaster and you know he he played every minute of every game they they got him with the sixth overall pick you know him and um josh yarrow and fabian herbers man what a draft class he had the shitty sophomore slump and he ended up in jim Curtin's doghouse somehow whatever well remember he also went came on back social to, media Remember the, and complained about yeah, it. He yeah, had the, he, he had the Twitter post where yeah. he complained about the coaching. So, But he bounced back from that. People yeah. who say that, people are like, well, do you, are you sure that Jim Curtin loved Keegan Rosenberg because he benched the shit out of him last season? I'm like, well, he liked him enough to play him, start him 32 games this year. Yeah. So And he ha- and he would have had the option of playing Ray, starting Ray Gaddis if he really wanted to. You know, Obviously, Matt Real played a couple games he wasn't ready. Fabinho was available. He could have he played Fabinho on the left and he could have played Ray Gaddis on the right. Mm-hmm. So I don't... I don't I don't know if I necessarily buy that idea that Jim was super like anti Keegan, you know. Yeah. Plus, I think because he knew because he knew Keegan as a player growing up, and he was part of uh, you know some of those youth youth teams, and he was involved in Reading and stuff like that. I think that made it easier for Jim Curtin to be harsh with him, to bench him, and to give him the doghouse tough love kind of thing. Does that make sense? Yeah. Like it's easier to discipline your own kid, but I'm not gonna like say shit to my neighbor's kid. You know what I mean? So I felt like because Jim was probably closer with Keegan through his development, that that probably played a role in that. You know what I'm saying? Does yeah. that make sense? Yeah, it does. Um, so that was one thing. Um, you mentioned that he, the way that he gets up and he, 
a lot of the reason that they were very successful <laughs> when they when they started to to click this year, when they started to find their form and started to look like Barcelona for a couple minutes every game, was as you said, when he gets forward, he was able to play those triangles with Dojkal, with Bedoya, um, you know, possession with Medunian and Ilsenio on the right, whoever was up there on the right. Um, and his ability to get in advanced positions and hold the ball was was key to them being able to kind of get get up there, hang onto the ball, move it around, get Doge call in advanced spaces. I mean, they had that overload on the right, but part of the reason they had that overload on the right, one of the reasons that they were so good on that side of the field, so lopsided, because could be because Keegan was able to do that. Yeah, I mean, I I, I don't want to go and and really now piss off the the Madrid fans here, but like, it's it's not a a total comparable here i'm not putting keegan rosenberry on on marcelo's level here but (laughs) if you turned marcelo into like a a 25 year old american kid who played in chester um like the same idea applies right because marcelo's ability for real madrid and, and something that's you know been so key to them winning multiple champions league titles has been the fact that if you have an outside back who can get up create those overloads and deliver decent service into the box or can be at least you know, a, a credible threat cutting inward um, towards goal. You know, that that's a, a dynamic that not every defender, especially every outside back or any kind of, you know, a, a trailing uh, mid in, in defense is going to be used to having to go up against. And so Rosenberry was dynamic in that kind of sense. And it, you know, it was something that you could tell, you know, from team to team, if you had a midfield that that was unwilling to come back and help defensively, Rosenberry was going to burn you. If you had a guy who was slower, who would kind of sag back and almost become, you know, a fifth back um, for whatever team, you know, they they didn't have the speed to keep up with Rosenberry, and they almost had to, you know, drop a, a, a deeper line. So that allowed the Union attack to to get deeper and to get better opportunities. But when you look at it, it's not only that you lost a dynamic player in an ever changing game. And, and a player who, honestly, I think would have been attractive, not just in MLS, but but abroad as well, you didn't get much for him. And I think that's actually where I'm more upset. Like, I, I liked Rosenberry. Mm-hmm. I know that, that stylistically, at least in that 4-2-3-1 that Jim Curtin likes to run or was maybe mandated by Ernie Stewart to run, you know, maybe he wanted somebody who was a little bit more defensive-minded at that position. At that point, I would almost then say, you know, why couldn't you explore having Keegan Rosenberry play like a, a wing-back position in a 3-5-2? Or why couldn't you explore yeah. putting him... You know, out wide as a as a midfielder. I'm not saying he was really work. built. He's really built to be a wing back. Yeah, and so like you know, really his skill set is is honestly more of you know makes more sense as a wing back than a than a fullback. Yep, and and so like that, you know, especially when we kind of talked. The, I think it was the last time that Phil and I were on here. You know, we talked about the fact that like maybe the union do look to go to a three five two, and maybe they do run two forwards, and then you don't need a number ten, and then you can really start to play wide positions. Like Rosenberry would have been a perfect fit for that. So. It's not it's not even that like stylistically he might not have fit in what we think they would do going forward, but like again, the compensation for him was so poor and I, I think this is a time where Ernst Tanner might have and, and look, I, I think Ernst Tanner is gonna end up being successful. I think by the time it's all said and done, I think he's gonna be a very successful, you know, front office guy for this mm-hmm. team. I think he's gonna build a good culture here. I think he's gonna build off of what Ernie Seward did. I think it's gonna be easier for him because, you know, to Ernie's credit, he set the infrastructure up uh that was non existent. But I look at this and I say, man, like, I think if you had done a better job waiting a little bit deeper into, you know, the window, maybe you would have been able to sell him off for a, you know, a a more valuable commodity. Maybe you're able to get a bigger transfer fee and you're able to turn that around and immediately improve your club. What they ended up getting was, 
you know, they, they claimed it was... It's not they, super value. It's not, in, M- in MLS, it's not so much, it's not as important as in other leagues to get something for guys who are going into an expiring contract. Yeah. Because with Rosenberry, what were you losing next year? I mean, like, he's he's making like 120K, yeah. you know, if you let him walk, whatever, you sign him to a new contract, he's not going to be making that much anyway. Yep. Yeah. And I think the thing that kind of bugged a lot of people and why this kind of rubbed a lot of people the wrong way was was kind of the the concurrent news that they wanted to re-sign Ray Gaddis. Yep. And they wanted to, you know, put him over on the right where Ernst Tanner said, I think he's much better on the right than on the left. Well, no shit, because he's right-footed. And you tried to, and Peter Novak and John Hackworth and everybody tried to take a right-footed, right fullback out of college and make him a left back, which ironically, you see, Ray Gaddis has like the most, the funkiest like development of all time. The thing that stunted his growth and probably kept him from developing into a really good player also prolonged his career and made him more valuable as a player. Because if they, if Peter Novak and John Hackworth didn't fuck around and put him on the left side of the of the formation to, to plug a gap based on their own personnel decision making shortcomings, then Ray Gaddis would have just been competing for the right back job his entire life and might not have beaten out Shane and Williams or Keegan Rosenberry, whoever's playing over there. But because Ray was forced to play on his left foot where he was uncomfortable, he developed into this guy who was uh, versatile as a fullback who could play on both sides of the field. You know, so you had a guy who was sitting on your bench then who could cover two spots. Yep. You know, most fullbacks can only play one. So I think the problem is that people are sitting there thinking, okay, they're they're preferring Gad. You know, Gaddis is like our minutes leader, our games leader, our everything leader. When he's really just a guy. It was kind of you like know, Brian if, Carroll at the end. I know they don't play the same style of game, but it was yeah. like that same kind of thing. You're filling a role. I even go back to like the Shannon Williams saga. You know, I I thought Shannon was an okay, you know, player. Um, I don't know. I, I, I yeah, think he, the, he, the rotating, the, the kind of musical chairs that they've done defensively under Curtin especially has never made a lot of sense to me. And and like Ray Geddes is an okay guy. He's a decent player. To me, he's a guy who exists in your 18. He's he's a guy who like occasionally gets a spot start or like if there's an injury to one of your outside backs, you put him in and he's going to be reliable. And that's fine. You need guys like that, you know, in any sport. Yeah, you yeah. need a guy yeah. who can come in and, and fill a role. And not have too much expected of them. But you don't make that guy a starter. And you certainly don't sell off a 25-year-old for, you know, what they called in their press release for up to $400,000 in allocation money. Well, but, I have a whole real, I have a whole exercise but, for that in a little bit, yeah. Realistically, yeah. they went fake first-round pick. This is no, the, I know. This is like oh, the, oh, God. This I is know, the yeah. Nerland's Noel. The two second-rounders. No, seriously. Yeah. Like, it's it's a first-round pick, but it has all these massive, you know, protections well, if you, it if in you, two you, seconds. But, like... It's all like there's a hundred thousand that's tied up in performance bonuses. Like no, on. I know, I know, like, it's ridiculous, is it? Well, if you listen, let me let me take it back real quick. If if you are if like Ray Gaddis set what like the most games played or the most minutes or something, he broke one of Latou's records this year, right? That's something to be celebrated, yes, but you shouldn't like a utility guy should not be breaking those records. Nope. Like the only reason he's on the roster is because he's turned into like the ultimate like glue utility guy. Because number one, you haven't been able to find anything better. And number two, because you fucked up his development early in his career to the point where, yes, now he can play a little bit on the left side, <laughs> like as a backup kind of guy. He shouldn't be a star. It's it's the funkiest thing ever. Could you Dude, could you imagine? It's, I, like, it's like if I if I told you if I told you here's the red pill and the blue pill, and the red pill is that you will have a five year career as a decent quality like borderline starting right back in MLS, or the blue pill, which means which means that you'll play for eight years. But you'll kind of be a shitty back and forth, left side, right side, utility kind of guy that they can never get afford, never afford to get rid of because you provide value and flexibility. 
like which one of those are you taking are you taking like play your natural position for four years or like be bravo utility guy for eight years i'd flush them both down the toilet <laughs> no i, I <laughs> find another team just no, dream I, that you were drafted by another team instead yeah, I, I don't know but isn't it such a conundrum with Ray? Like, yeah, it's, it's it, like I it want to celebrate the things that the guy does well, but I know that he's he should never that be. That he like, shouldn't be in that position. How well, many I'm, other? I'm here, here's the question. If, if here's you, the question. How many other? How many other teams would would Ray Gaddis start for? I don't know, man. MLS is weird. Like we 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 would we want to we want to frame this as if like it it would only be here, but it it wouldn't. There are plenty of teams in this league that would have found a place for Ray Gaddis and probably Orlando or somebody. Uh, yeah, yeah somebody and, and would look, have I mean, screwed it up. Yeah. Ultimately, if if you put Ray Gaddis on the market, like say you put both of these guys on the block, obviously I think there would be a lot more interest in Rosenberry for a lot of reasons. But I wouldn't be surprised if Ray Gaddis got Ray Gaddis got you some interest. I, I just Googled because I was looking for the record that he set, and the fourth uh, thing on the Google search was a brotherly game article, uh, U.S. Open Cup trophy. Could, or I'm sorry, U.S. Open Cup trophy could cement Ray Gaddis's club legend status. Listen, <laughs> Ray Gaddis is a club legend. He might be a nice guy. He really might be. Probably but the like, nicest dude I've ever met. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So he he's the all-time club leader in minutes played. Yeah. That that is what he he set it for. So like, kudos to that him. That should not be. That's not have, the kind of guy that should be setting that record. You no. know, it should be like nope. your talismanic striker or your goalkeeper captain who's been there for ten years. It shouldn't be the utility guy who you met whose development was was screwed up. You just you know? wait, man. Ilsenio is going to challenge for that in a few years. He'll be like forty five, <laughs> smoking a cigar on the sideline, come in and do some futsal for like the last eight minutes yeah, of right, the game, and, right. and that'll be good. I have a couple Brazilian more Brazilian points. Pitt. No, Brazilian Ben Affleck. Sorry. There you go. Yeah, yeah, yeah I like that. Um, I have a couple, I have an exercise I want to do and then just a couple okay. more points before questions. I didn't know, but you're talking, you, <laughs> you're talking about the totals that they got for Keegan. So it's 150 in allocation this year. Yeah. It's 150 in allocation next year. Right. So they don't even get it right away. It's, okay? 100, it's what is 300, it? 150 gam. Uh, I don't have the yeah, breakdown. Yeah. Right it's 150, 150 general allocation money. 50,000 and yeah and then 50,000 in targeted allocation money. Okay, so 200 this year, 100 next year, and then the other 100 is incentive based. Okay, yep. so 25% of the deal that you got is not even guaranteed. Yep. Okay. So going that you going by that you've only got 300 guaranteed, right? I wrote down, I went to the MLS website and now that they're actually showing some transparency and telling you how much each each trade was worth with allocation amounts. Thanks Don Garber. Thanks to Don Garber and the work of intrepid journalists. Um, here's some of the most, like, here's some of the recent trades and the most relevant things based on those numbers. All right, David Akam, one point two million. <laughs> Yamil Yemi, Assad, who went from Atlanta to DC, five hundred k plus incentives. Uh, Vitas, the left back, the backup left back who wasn't even playing for Portland, he went to DC for fifty k. International roster spots are going from anywhere between 50,000 and 150,000. Uh, Christian Ramirez from Minnesota to LAFC, 500K over two years plus incentives. Christian Namath um, from New England to Kansas City, 350K uh, plus, uh, plus a first round pick and 100 in incentives. So up to 450K and a first round pick for him. Justin Miram, 750K and an international roster spot to Columbus. Uh, Fatai Alashi, 145K plus bonus money. Fernando Adi, 850K, 100K bonus incentive and sell on fees if he's transferred to Europe or something like that. 
Raheem Edwards from Montreal to Chicago for 400K. Patrick Mullins, 150K. Jared Watts, 100K. Lee Wynn, 700K in future considerations. Okay. So, go back number to, one. Really quick, go back to Christian, yeah. Christian Namath for a second. Yeah, 350K and 350K for a, for a guy who over the last two seasons has put in two goals. Isn't that crazy? Well, and and he's a player who was who was going back to his former team, yeah. And this current team didn't want him, so that's probably why they got that deal for just a lot for of money so to cheap, you know. And they got away. a first round pick out of it too, yeah. you know. But here's here's what that tells me. Okay, number one, there's no way Raheem Edwards is more valuable than Keegan Rosenberry in an allocation money trade. Raheem Edwards, you get 400k guaranteed for Keegan Rosenberry. You can only get 300k guaranteed. Yep. And the other thing here, I'm looking. Maybe Jay Sugarman had to make a, a mortgage payment. <laughs> I don't know how much. See, here's the problem, Russ. I look at all these names and I see like attacking players. Yep. Lee Wynn, Fernando Adi, Justin Miram, Christian Ramirez. Like defenders just are not properly valued in this league, and you're not getting the required dollar amounts that you that you would for a 25 year old domestic fullback who's just entering his prime right now. How can anybody justifiably say that a player like Keegan Rosenberry is only worth 300k when Raheem Edwards is going for 400k? Patrick Mullins even got 150k. You know what I mean? It just yeah, doesn't seem. I, it I just think that's the thing, though, like, Kevin. Like I, I don't think we have a comparable for this because I don't think a, a lot of teams that might have developed a young outside back, a young defender of any kind, are really looking to put that guy out on the market. Yeah, that's you know? true. Like, I mean, is it is that just a thing we don't? Have, we the market has, is just not. I think it shows flushed more flushed out enough for us to know what a, know what the proper total is for something. like Yeah, this? like I, I think it shows that the teams are more committed to, you know, maybe switching up the attack. And trying to develop the the defense a lot more, because it is so hard to to go. I mean, I I think I've compared it before, that young defenders in MLS are are kind of like relief pitchers in baseball. Like you you really don't know what you're gonna get. It, it could you could very well try to yeah, you know bring somebody in on on a one year deal and like maybe he ends up becoming you know a real lockdown defender. And, and on the flip side of that, like maybe he's total trash. But like. You could have a kid who's, you know, 19 when he comes in the league and, and by the time he's 25, like maybe he's in good shape. Like, I don't know. I, I feel like I feel like defend defenders in, in this game, especially with the way that MLS is changing, the way that the speed of the game is changing and the, the way that, you know, I think managers are now starting to work in more complicated tactics. Uh, you know, maybe maybe Philadelphia is not part of that equation, but. In the ever-changing landscape of MLS, like I think a lot of these teams, especially with academies now, like they're trying to develop this next wave of defenders. And and honestly, like I, I think any other team, if you, if if you put Keegan Rosenberry on practically any other team in this league, if he's not the starter, he's very close. He's knocking at the door. And I just don't think that that the other teams in MLS would be looking to actively sell him and sell him as low as as the yeah. union did. And I think that's yeah. that's the real problem. That's a good point. Yeah, that's a good point. There's just not a lot of uh stuff to compare it to. You know, I'm trying I'm sitting here trying to compare him to a bunch of attacking pieces that were moved around. And teams are willing probably willing to spend more on attacking players to make a big splash and take a gamble on getting a goal scorer too, you know. So yeah. that's hard to you know, look at what the union do with David Akam, for yeah. for instance, you know. Um just a couple more quick points and then we can get to um the questions here. Uh Olivier Mbaizo, I mean 21 years old, he's an unknown quantity, you know? I mean, he, he looked a, pretty good against Kansas City. He did not look out of place against Kansas City in the game that he started. And he was good for, for Steele all year long. But 
you're talking about Keegan Rosenberry, 70, whatever, 80, whatever career starts versus a, you're trading a 25 year old guy for a 21 year old guy. Yeah. That, and that's what I was saying off the top is like, I know plenty of people who, when the the initial deal went down, they said, "Well, okay, you know, Imbizo is that is that how you say it? Imbizo? Yeah, it's Imbizo. Imbizo. Let's go with Imbizo. If we're wrong, we're wrong. You know. Yeah. Uh, Maybe it's one of these days we'll get a a good proper. I almost put on my uh, my Wakanda voice for that. I did not though. I Wakanda. Imbizo, <laughs> he is going. Never mind. I'm sorry. <laughs> uh, this man, he will come in and he will be all right back. Okay. Anyway, Imbizo. Uh, like, here's the thing. So, going from twenty five to twenty one isn't that big of a jump. No, I in, know. in theory, uh, it's like I offensive have, I, to me. I would have much rather see if the union could have considered moving Imbizo to left back and trying to find like a long term solution. Um, if worse comes to worse, like well, go, but then you're just doing it. You're but then you're just doing another Gaddis, aren't you? You might be, but he's twenty one. You know, I I don't know. Like, uh, you true. know, maybe it works, yeah. maybe it doesn't. But like again, he's so early in his career, and because you now have that that um safety valve of of having steel you know if you bring him up to the big club and and have him play say he starts left back for a few games it's a total disaster you send him back to steel you allow him to get his feet back under him as as a right back and then you kind of deal with it mid-season and and who knows maybe keegan rosenberry oh my god keegan rosenberry ends up being a more you know attractive commodity in, in the midst of a season maybe somebody loses an outside back and you're able to strike a trade like i don't know but this is like the this is part of the problem is they they seemingly think that they're dealing from a position of strength and i don't think they are i mean i don't think anybody yeah. in the right mind can look at this and say yes this 21 year old kid is absolutely ready to come in here and and be an every game starter for this team i just don't see it i mean he very well could come out and be fucking gangbusters next year and he could be excellent and i, I don't fault ernst tanner for you know union fans have complained for years this team's not good enough this team's not good enough i've said the same thing year after year after year you need better players you got to go out and get better players um, if Olivier Mbaizo is better than Keegan Rosenberry and Ernst sees it and we don't, then good for him. I mean, I, I, there's some, some guts that go into making that move. I just didn't feel like this was a move, you know, with all the other positions of need that they have on this team. It didn't seem like a priority at the time. Maybe this, they just identified this as something they could do, something that was easier to do than the other moves. But think of it this way. If, if, if I, if you're, this is what I would have done. I would have kept Keegan around for his final year had Mbizo back him up. Okay, mm-hmm. so your depth at right back is Rosenberry and Mbizo, right? Yep. Left back, Matt Real. You brought back Fabinho if you need him, or you go sign a left back. Find a left back in Germany or some shit, right? Yep. And just let Ray Gattis walk. But instead what they're doing is they're going but with an the all-time minutes leader I, in franchise history. I, What's I just, wrong with you? Yeah, I just don't... I don't they should, if they were as high on getting a friggin' like you know d- great DP player in here as they were in just you know extending Ray Gaddis and being super excited about him all the time, like this team would be in, would be winning playoff games. But it just seems like such a I, I don't know what they see in it. I guess there's just value and utility, value and flexibility. But um, you know, let's get the starting eleven correct first before we start saying, "Well, this guy can play four different positions." You know, I would rather have well, one you, guy who plays one position really, really, really well versus one guy who's just okay at like two different positions. You know. Well, you know, a little bit ago, you just brought up Fabinho, and like the the day that they made the announcement of the guys that they were going to let go and the guys that they were you know negotiating deals with or were open to negotiating with, Fabinho was one of the first guys that they listed as being somebody that they were interested in resigning that they were already in negotiations. My question to that would be. 
why? Like, what is it exactly that you yeah. think Fabinho does so well that it warrants not only him being brought back, but having that as like a focal point of your release? Well, because you know that some of these him... moves might not go over that well. Like, no, I know, and they're trying to Fabinho, make him like a, that, like a coach that? too. They're trying to do like a then just make him a coach. like a Fred thing with him. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. I, I don't like if you're ready to make that jump, then just then just do it. Then just do it. Yeah, yeah I don't know what these kind of in between like Chris Albright and Fred. It's um, stupid. And Fabinho kind of like half player, half learning how to coach things are going. If not, just like stick him up at the academy and let him like run around with, with Chris Brewer and, and Tommy Wilson and just kind of like learn the trade. And then if you want him to be around the union locker room on game day as like a veteran guy who's who can sort of be a mentor at the same time, I, I could see that. But I don't do need to use a roster spot on him or I, I don't know. That just doesn't seem like it's. It feels very, and you'll enjoy this comparison, but it feels very like Jason Peters and Darren Sproles to me. Oh, yes. You know, not that not that Fabinho is going to be out on yes. the field, like shoved on the field, you know, even when he's like at the end of it, you know. But uh, which guy's Fabinho more like? Is he more like Jason Peters, where he like starts the game but he never finishes it, or is he more like Darren Sproles, where <laughs> you get really excited about him being a dynamic playmaker and he doesn't play until like you know the next to last week of the season? <laughs> probably I, I Darren, know, probably Darren Sproles because when when, when Fabi is on the field, you're at least like thinking, okay, he's gonna bomb way up the field and he's gonna put some balls in, you know. The compared least he to, can compared do to Ray, like who a, hasn't put in a cross in like three years. If you know, Fabinho so. would just put on like a sideshow mm-hmm. bob wig. And yeah. just like tell everybody his name's Marcelo for a couple of weeks, like that'd be swell. <laughs> like that's fine. Left footed, let back. Like let's get up there, get a Fabinho. So that's the last point. I, I think the only I think the last point I want to make is that I just I hate this like obsession with development. If I hear the fucking word development one more time, I'm gonna lose it because it's like you you are everybody wants to talk about the next big thing. This guy is in the pipeline. We're developing this guy to be this. This guy's 19 years old. This guy's 20 years old. Yeah, well, what are you... The, the whole point is that you're trying to get them to what Keegan Rosenberry is now. Bingo. Which is a 25-year-old domestic fullback in his prime. Everybody wants to fucking talk about the future and what's coming down the pike and we're going to have this and we're going to do that and we're going to... Like, what are you doing right the fuck now? Are you going to win right now? I don't want to hear about the next 19-year-old. I don't want to hear about the next 18-year-old. I don't want to hear about the next 20-year-old or 21-year-old. I want to know who you have in your starting 11 now, and is that good enough to win a playoff game or win a trophy? Like, I'm so over this play your kids and development and blah, blah bullshit that I have to hear all the time. Like, we're Ajax or something. Everybody in MLS has to be Ajax. I've said it a million times before. The goal of the Philadelphia Union is not to develop players for the United States national team. It's to win MLS games, and it's to put trophies in the cabinet. And if you do that, then that the development stuff will come. You know, you're doing both of those things at the same time. You know, that if you're winning games in MLS, it means Austin Trusty and Mark McKenzie are doing a hell of a good job, and they're getting senior national team call-ups, which they just got. So I don't I don't want to hear I don't want to hear any more about development. We got to develop this guy. We got to develop that guy. I felt the same at age twenty nine as I did at age eighteen. Okay, so like only I knew the game better and I was smarter. I was just as fast and I could do everything I could do at age twenty nine as I could do at age eighteen. Obviously, you weren't signing me to a professional contract, so you weren't like thinking down the road. But again, why is everybody always thinking two, three, four years down the road? You gotta you gotta tell me what's happening right now. I agree. It just bothers me. I, well, no, I, I can't do the play your kids thing anymore. Nobody's going down to Town Energy Stadium to see Austin Trusty and Mark McKenzie. Thank you. 
Thank like, you. Well, it's not, not only that. It's not. like, it's just, you know, well, and, and obviously nobody was going up to Bethlehem to go see any of the young guys in the pipeline <laughs> either. Exactly. If, if they yeah. had been, they wouldn't have had yeah. to fold, you know, the, the team and move them back to these to are nice. Chester. These are like, nice stories and these are necessary, but they're not they're not needle movers. It's just like shit that you're supposed to do. It's stuff that you have to do. OK, you know, it's like, but, but it's, don't try to sell me that that's your main thing. You know, well, somebody needs to. to uh, this is the word, right? This is the thing that that whoever listens to this needs to get back to Jay Sugarman. However, they want to get it to him. He's probably listening now. Hey, Jay, how are you? Um, find me the place in MLS when it comes to qualifying for the playoffs or advancing in the U.S. Open Cup. Find me the the portion of of points that you're allocated for having a nice academy system. Find me the provision that states that if you have a good pipeline and you develop teams for the national team, that it'll add 10 points to your cumulative total at the end of the season. <laughs> Find me the provision that says, hey, you know what? We have the best USL team. We have the best, uh, the best youth academy system. And by the way, we play at a beautiful stadium. And, and get me the supporter shield with that. Can you? No, you can't. Because nobody cares about the, the gradual progression of things. People in every sport lose their job because the timeline is too far out. Because what you're doing isn't affecting the on-field product enough to make it a, a legitimate contender. Nobody's sitting back waiting for you know guys to go through YSC to you know all of a sudden make the roster in 2024. You know, mm-hmm. soccer, if nothing else, and the, the way that MLS works... You have the ability to put these academy things in place. You have the ability to take a risk on guys and take flyers on guys, you know, with steel. You can take all those risks at that level. But then you also have to do something with the on-field product that people come out to pay for at the MLS level. And if you're not doing it, you're doing your fans a disservice. And that is, is what, you know, it doesn't matter who the sporting director is. It doesn't matter if it was Nick Sikavitz. It doesn't matter if it was Ernie Stewart. It doesn't matter if it's Ernst Tanner. If Jay Sugarman and Richie Graham and whomever else is in the ownership group, but really primarily Jay Sugarman, can't get it through his head that MLS continues to evolve. The quality of play and the expectations within teams within this conference and within the league as a whole continue to improve and to evolve. And your team is still stuck back somewhere in like MLS 1.0, MLS 0.75. Like I can't really figure it out. Maybe they want to say because <laughs> they put the academy system in place. Maybe they're yeah, MLS yeah. 1.25. Like, you know, that's great and everything. That's a, that's a fine firmware update, you know, 10 years ago. It doesn't work now. If you're not going to improve it, then you're doing your fans a disservice. And ultimately, you're going to start to see the fans fall away from the team. And, and it's happened already. It's happening with other teams in the city. And, and quite frankly, you know, the Phillies aren't exactly... This is the thing I always come back to with you, yeah. with anybody that wants to listen. Yeah, yeah, the yeah. Phillies aren't, aren't, you know, getting anybody's attention right now. They are continuously whiffing. If you have a moment to try to get a little bit of the headlines, to get a little bit of excitement set up about your team, it's now. The biggest problem with the Keegan Rosenberry deal, um, you know, besides everything else that we've already laid out here, is the fact that if you're going to make this deal, you typically need to have that, you know, buffered with some good news. If you're going to get rid of Keegan Rosenberry, you better have something ready to go. Not at this level, but like if you're going to trade Cliff Lee, you better have Roy Halladay ready to go. Yeah. Right? Yeah, you, yeah, yeah. And you have nothing. Like, am I supposed to get excited for Sergio Santos? <laughs> like, I mean, honestly, no, no, we like, did the pot, looks, yeah. looks, you know, maybe he's a lovely guy. I don't yeah. know. Yeah, yeah. Well, but nobody I mean, really we did that, anything about it. I asked Matt and Dave that when we did the last podcast. I'm like, does is he a needle mover for you? And I think most people were just sort of like, I'm intrigued by the guy. 
I'm yeah, really interested Chilean to see fans what are he is. Really excited, <laughs> right? But it's not the it's Chilean Slatan. It's They're not like... Slatan. It's not Rooney. It's not you know this. The, nobody knows fuck all about the Chilean division. Watch you this know? dude's so, gonna come in and score twenty goals. No, he very well. He very well could. I don't know. It'd be I'm really intrigued. funny. But he's not. There's nothing to say that Sergio Santos is any different right now than Josue Martinez or. Leonard Pahoy or any of those 2012 signings that um, that Peter Novak made, you know, they it, it feels kind of like it's, um, kind of like it's along those lines. But no, that's that was a very that was a very man. good like half rant um, by you, Russ. I've, I'm told Thanks, also that I'm told that if the Phillies don't spend the stupid money, that it gets rolled over into Jay Sugarman's bank account and he gets to spend. <laughs> Do me a favor. The stupid Can money. S- I've begged. I have begged on every podcast known to man. Can we please just get somebody to buy out Sugarman? Can well, I get John come. Middleton to it'll say, come. you know what? I'll spend stupid money. I'll go out and I'll buy the next lot. Josh Harris is the is the get Josh is Harris. The hope. Get him he to needs sell to sell. He Crystal Palace. Sell Crystal Palace. David Blitzer. Buy local. Buy local. Somebody for the love of God, please just buy this team. Somebody who actually has money, not monopoly money. You know, Jay Sugarman might have a really nice. A walk-in closet full of Monopoly money, but I don't mm-hmm. think anybody's told him it doesn't work in MLS. That's so right. continue to sell off your young guys. Continue to, you know, the funny thing is, I this is how tone deaf the organization is, and I don't really blame the yeah. social media people, but like, they trade Rosenberry. The next day, the U.S. Men's National Team does their call-ups. The union put out the tweet: Two of our own have been selected to the U.S. Men's National Team. Yeah, like it's and January. The first camp, fifteen comments were, oh, well, you could have had three, but that's right. You traded away Keegan Rosen. <laughs> yeah, you got a call I mean, like, for it. <laughs> and look, I felt bad. Yeah. I felt really bad for the social yeah, media yeah, person because yeah. they yeah, have yeah. to put it out there. But my, like, come on, guys. Yeah. All this yeah. said, I think Ernst Sanders is going to do a good job. But like, again, how much can he really do if he's given, you know, some sardines? Well, I'm intrigued. He's given like minimal, minimal yeah. assets and, and funds to go out and actually acquire these guys. I don't know. I man. personally, for the record, obviously, I did not agree with the Rosenberry thing. However, you know, it's a it's a forward thinking, gutsy kind of thing from Tanner. And uh, if M. Baizo ben ends up being the truth, then full credit to Tanner. Who the hell knows? I mean, it's 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 not something I would have done, but it says to me that he's interested in moving this thing forward and whatever you know all right you want to take some questions i would love to all right uh rick mcgovern our resident expert in uh, dutch football says frank de boer question mark sad face um i don't know what he's really wants me to say here he's going to atlanta to be their next coach um because hell of a hire, somehow, man. Yeah. it's amazing what happens when you have an owner who has money and who's actually committed to winning mm-hmm. and their second league second year in the league they win the mls cup they replace a great coach with another very solid coach. Yeah. Well, I'm interested in and seeing yet, what he does does with some of the young uh, American players on that team. Yeah, um, it'll be interesting. You know, you've got Carlton. You've got Robinson. Well, who knows? Maybe uh, after the uh, U.S. Men's National Team gets bounced out of the next World Cup cycle, <laughs> maybe they'll uh, they'll look to hire him. Yeah, That'd I just wonder how how well he'll interface with the the um, with the Spanish speaking talent there. I don't really see any issues there, but he's he was so good with. Listen to me sounding like a hypocrite now. He was so good with youth at Ajax. Ajax put the fucking youngest team on the field. Oh, we Development. developed all these players. Kind of like, are you a Game of Thrones fan or no? Yes. So, you know, the Mad King? They, they keep going back to the Mad King clip. Burn them all! That's going to be like Jay Sugarman is sitting on the Iron Throne at the Sell end of all, all this. Develop! Sell them all! Develop Ooh, need, all that's them. a t-shirt. Yeah. 
sell yeah. them all. I well, like it's, it's, you know, Frank DeBoer, when I think of that, I think of uh, Guillermo Barascoloto coming back to MLS to coach the Galaxy. I think of Matias Almeida <laughs> leaving Chivas to come to San Jose. I mean, dude, this ain't your grandmother's MLS, you know? This is yep. like, this is some like MLS 4.0 kind of shit, which was 4.0 is the GPA I had in the journalism school. At West Virginia, I think I had like a 2.7 something in every other class because I just didn't really give a shit about the other. All right, this is a good one for I have, me. Wait, I have a, oh. I have a real good bit of uh, Spanish knowledge for you. Oh, yeah. Okay. So you mentioned Chivas. KBM. Right? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Chiva actually means a few different things in Spanish. Would you like to know a couple of, uh, of its other Doesn't meanings? Doesn't it mean goat? It can mean goat. It okay. can also mean heroin in uh, certain dialects of, oh, the uh, of Mexican Spanish. So heroin de Guadalajara. There you go. Um, <laughs> wow, that's funny. <laughs> Andrew Dillon, uh, a friend of the program, says, this is the most ambitious crossover event since Infinity War. Yes, it is. Yeah, because Russ <laughs> and I are doing two, <laughs> two soccer podcasts. No, we're doing one soccer podcast. Two and soccer podcasts. No one cares about. Yeah. Mar, 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 mar. Do you have any Crossing Broad comments you're, uh, you're ready to read on this? Because I'm all Oh, late. no, I don't have any mean comments. I'm oh. sure it's the same thing. Nobody gives a fuck about soccer. Why don't you fuck off and copy and paste and blah, 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 blah. Same shit. Oh, there was a good one. There was a good one about you and copying, pasting. Oh, yeah. On one, on one of my posts like but, two days ago. Oh, really? But eSports yeah. e is the future i think had my back on that one i think he, he i think he uh, defended me all right so um dills says which players from the f other major sports would you like to see on the union Embiid as a target striker mccutcheon as a winger etc so i was really intrigued by this so i did my entire starting 11 of of philly sports guys from the four major sports her 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 um <laughs> as and if <laughs> All I had was one Jack yeah, the Daniels. They're right? not that funny. The wings are in there? I didn't know any of the guys' no names. No, Kiel Matisse? So. No, but I got a fusion player in here, so hang on. Okay. Or is it Kyle Matisse? I interviewed him. Kyle Matisse? All Kyle right, Matisse? so Matt Rambo? Front to, front to back, I've got uh, Joel Embiid as my number nine. He's just a huge guy. He can do everything uh, on the court. He's a proper center forward uh, who could just really win the ball in the air, and I think he'll have great hold-up play. Embiid is my number nine. There's a problem with that. What's the problem? When he doesn't score and the media asks why he doesn't score, he'd say, oh, you have to ask my coach. I wasn't in the position <laughs> well, that I was supposed perfect. to be on. Well, he's a perfect striker then because he's a fucking fucking complainer. All they do is complain. These Did you hear the rumor that uh, Kevin Kincaid of Crossing Broad put out a few weeks ago that uh, Mario Balotelli was going to be going to the Philadelphia <laughs> Union? Signed, sealed, delivered, hashtag confirmed. Well, if anybody actually read the story, that's not what I said. <laughs> um, I've got TJ McConnell as my number 10 because he's small and he's shifty. I think he would be a good soccer player. He gets into those little spaces. Uh, he picks out the right pass at the right time. He's probably not going to score a lot for you. Uh, but he can facilitate, so I've got TJ as my number 10. Then on the left wing and the right wing, I've got uh, Claude, Claude Giroux, and uh, Jake Voracek. I've got the Flyers contingent uh, playing on the wings there. I think I could see them kind of kind of slashing him uh, behind Joel Embiid there and getting in on goal, mucking and grinding and getting some jam in the building and putting the biscuit in the basket and playing some old-time Flyers hockey. <laughs> This is a four-two-three-one, by the way, because what else? Oh, okay. What else would it be? This is bad. my number eight. I've got uh, Ben Simmons as my box-to-box -box midfielder uh, because he's just a guy who doesn't really have a position. He can just sort of do a little bit of everything, right? So he'll kind of run, run around, put some tackles in, play some transitional defense, move the ball up the field. He's going to go box-to-box, -box, right? Uh, my number six. You know, I'm not a baseball fan. I don't. I don't really know shit about the Phillies, but I got Aaron Nola as my. Uh, 
defensive midfielder, my number six, because he's he's steady and he's reliable, and you know what you're going to get from him. You know, I mean, you mm-hmm. you, you get a, it's the it's rare that you get a bad performance out of Aaron Nola, uh, and then my back line is all um, Eagles players here. I've got Malcolm Jenkins playing left back. Okay. Because he's just sort of all over the place, and and since nobody can develop a left back, you're just going to put your best one of your best players over there, right? And so I got him playing left back. Uh, Zach Ertz, I figured since his wife Julie is one of the best center backs I've ever seen, that he's probably a good center back too, right? So I've got him playing left center back. Uh, I've got Alshon Jeffrey at right center back because he's really good at get good in the air. You now you can win a lot of fifty fifty balls in the air. You just sort of throw it up there, and he'll win it. Uh, and then at right back, I've got uh, – I couldn't think of anybody else. I wrote Avante Maddox because he's played like a bazillion fucking <laughs> positions this year, right? It was either him or Cravon LeBlanc just because I wanted to get Cravon's name mentioned on the podcast. Uh, and then my goalkeeper is Carpe from the Fusion. <laughs> For no real reason. I'm, I just wanted to be an asshole and put a Fusion player in there. So. I'm trying to put an 11 together. I'll come back to We're going to get Carpe into the crossing broad top 25 athletes. Uh, next oh, year, I'm gonna slide great. it in there. Yeah, great. Um, what else do we have here on the on the questions? Let me just rip through these real quick because we got another podcast to do here. Um, how many games of great play does Mbiza of how many games of great play from Mbiza does it take for people to get over the Rosenberry trade? Probably one, right? This is Philadelphia. Mm, one great game, know. and they'll be like, "Oh, this guy's the best thing ever." Yeah, but it's like anything else, Philly. Like you'd get overly high on him and say that he's he's the next big thing, and then two games later, when he comes back down to earth, everybody's ready to kill him. Yeah, so. that's true. Um, Union Report says uh, thoughts on Brian Silvestri to the Philadelphia Union. I think he'd be an upgraded backup goalkeeper for when Blake is away on international duty. Yeah, Brian was pretty good in 2015 when he was called up when they did the loan move for him. That was kind of a weird, shitty kind of season, but he played well when he was in there. Okay. Um, John McCarthy's gone, obviously. Uh, Gonzalez says the best coaching pickup in the MLS offseason. I think it's Almeida, man. I really like Almeida. Yeah. I mean, relative to the team and how much help they needed, um, you know, LA Galaxy can go out and get anybody, right? Atlanta's a huge clout name now after three fucking years, right? But San Jose, for San Jose to grab the manager of uh, Chivas Guadalajara, who just won the CONCACAF Champions League, that was a huge coup. Um, Alex Armstrong, Breck Shea, if he doesn't sign with Atlanta, who says no to that flow? I don't know. That's interesting. But, you know, again, now you got Ray Allen Gaddis. So you got to play Breck Shea at left mid, left back. Um, Will Tang clan, uh, not to be confused with the Wu Fang clan <laughs> fan club says, did you know that CJ Sapong is 30 years old or did you just find out as well? That man is old. Well, uh, dude, I'm 34, so how the fuck do you think I feel? Uh, Steve says... who Still older than me. Yeah. Blessed. Steve says, uh, what do you predict uh, will be the big January signing that Ernst hinted at? Well, he didn't say it was going to be a big signing. He just said that he thought they would have something else to announce, right? Um, I think it's going to be a defender from Europe. I think it's going to be a German left back. I'm going to tell you who it is, actually, now. Oh, yeah? Breaking news. It's Pepe. <laughs> it's not Pepe. He's playing Pepe. for uh, he's playing for Besiktas. No, he got dropped. Really? Yes. They're not signing Pepe. It's part, it is part of the Ernst Tanner reason that he's been all over the world. Yeah, Pepe was uh was thrown off the team as of the seventeenth. Deadlift I am I am going to put money down. Find me a local sports book 
I think it's going to be Pepe. Do you think Pepe is coming to Philadelphia to be the third center back behind a couple of 20-year-olds? Buddy, he's going to take over. No, he isn't. Pepe's going to play where Pepe wants to play. Um, Gritty Claus Can you imagine? Says, like, what if I'm right? <laughs> what if I'm right? Oh, this is a question for the other podcast. Sorry. Um, Mikey Aram says, if we go into the season with uh, Gaddis as a starter, what else does the team need to do to convince the fan base it's more than a reboot year? Yeah, I mean, there's not going to be a bigger signing than Sergio Santos, right? That's awful. Well, I mean, what else are they going to go? What else could they get? They're not going to go uh, get a number 10, right? Because I don't think they're going to play with a number 10. I don't, yeah, they don't need one. I have to think that they're going to upgrade some other position on this team. They have to. Like so, Again, at some point, you have to do something that moves the needle. Yeah. And Sergio Santos is not that. I could see another. And again, maybe he comes in and maybe he's like a decent player. It's entirely possible. But I think at some point... Don Garber, somebody in MLS office has to say Don Garber. And you need listen to me. I'm gonna make him Don Vita. I'm gonna make, <laughs> not not Don Vita <laughs> like Bam Margera, but like Don. Listen, Jay Sugarman, you come to me on the day of my daughter's wedding, and you tell me Sergio Santos is gonna be the guy. That's your big signing. No, no, Pepe. Pepe's the guy. Pepe's the guy. Pepe, he's the guy. <laughs> Yeah, put him in a center back. He wants to play holding mid. You put him in holding mid. Yeah. He wants to play striker. You put him in striker. Do you understand me? Leave. Uh, what about Ray Gaddis? I don't care about Ray. Gattis. Leave a leave a the gun and take the cannoli. <laughs> what? Is that how that quote goes? You sounded it. like the Little Caesars pizza pizza guy. <laughs> pizza pizza. <laughs> what is happening? <laughs> oh. All right, let me blaze through the rest of these before we go completely off the rails here. Um, Sam and Vincent have similar questions. Uh, Sam says, my union question is, why do I keep doing this to myself? Uh, Vince says, should I buy union season tickets? And Sam says, if you uh, could make a trade for any one player in MLS, who would it be? I don't know. I guess I'll give everybody the same shit I always do. It's a new sporting director. There's going to be new players. You never know. Nobody thought yeah. the New Jersey Nets were going to be any good this year, you know? Yeah. Um, you mean the the Brooklyn Nets. Yeah, um, Gonzalez. I'll ask you. I'll answer your other question on Twitter. Um, Justin says, uh, "All right, two more." Oh, wait, can, Vince uh, actually said over here. Seriously considering union season tickets because somehow, as a forty-two-year-old, they're the team I'm least tired of supporting. Wow. Vince must really hate himself. I, like, well, I'm doing a te- podcast. All yeah. the teams, really? I'm doing a podcast Oof. on the team. How do you think? I mean, what what does that say about me and you for agreeing to do this? Justin says, uh, "What's the biggest difference you've noticed with the team with the team between the Ernie tenure and the Tanner tenure at this point?" Oh, the communication by far. Yeah, I mean Ernie had everything on lock lockdown. I've heard that the communication between the technical staff and the sales department is kind of different now because Ernie kind of had control over all of it. But you know, like the sales department people and the guys who want to sell tickets and drum up interest, like obviously they have different goals than the technical staff does. But I, I've heard it's a little more loose. Uh, in there recently. Uh, you want to know the difference between uh, Ernie Stewart and Ernst Tanner? Mm. Uh, go go see the difference between Ron Hextall and Chuck Fletcher. Mm. It'll tell you all you need to know. You've been waiting to do that one for a long time, haven't you? I have. This I might like be your spot to do it days. because you can't do it on your Flyers podcast they don't know anything about the union, right? They don't. I actually had a person complain. A Snow the Goalie listener really? complained that I that yeah. I occasionally bring up the, the union. Mm. Yeah. Well, you can probably I think our audience is cool enough that if we brought up the Flyers and tried to make a union flyers comparison, I think it would be more appreciated on this podcast. I don't think anybody would know what the hell we're talking about. But you can do it if you want to try. What now? Well it's how long is it? In this it? moment? Is it really long? 
No, it's it's really simple. Okay, we'll go ahead. I, th- I think in in the case of and and now it doesn't matter because Dave Hexall was fired by the Flyers, but um, I think in the case of Ernie Stewart and Ron Hexall, you had two guys who did a good job of putting infrastructure into place that didn't exist. In the case of Hextall, he did a great job building up the youth pipeline and, you know, overcoming some some pretty awful contracts that had been given out by his predecessor, who was then promoted to his boss. Um, and in the case of Bernie Stewart, I, I think there were plenty of things that were done between Steele and, and the Youth Academy. Um, and I, I just think, like, from an organizational standpoint, I think he brought a lot of stability to the team. And I, I think he did a lot of the back-end stuff that you would never see. But at the same time, I, I do have a feeling that in, in the case of both, and you know, at least on the flyer side, we've we've gotten confirmation that Hextall had done a lot of tinkering and a lot of uh, you know micromanaging of Hextall's day to day lineups. Obviously, he controlled the players that were called up and sent down, and and effectively told him, you know, these these are the guys you have to play. But he also kind of implemented the system. And I've been a long term believer here, and I'm going to continue to. And it's not like I was down and I've spoken German with Ernst, which I could do, but I haven't done yet. Yeah. Um, that, uh, you know, I, I think there's a pretty high possibility here. The only reason that you keep Jim Curtin is because you feel like the same reason that the Flyers kept Dave Hackstall, at least for a while, which is you want to see what the guy can do when he's not given the constraints from above him in terms of tactics that he implements and the players that he plays. And I have a feeling that Ernie Stewart was probably the one who was banging the four two three one drum a little bit louder than Jim might have wanted to. Well, yeah, um, but I mean, you got to remember so that Jim that, Jim there, played there that go. Jim played that formation even before Ernie was there. You know, he did. I think he always liked it. But that's good. Ich möchte eine DP striker sometime in the near. A lady? You want a lady one? Eine uh, is feminine. No, that's okay. Oh, uh, really? Well, how would that's I say okay. that then if I didn't? It's fine. Okay, don't worry. All about right. It. Well, we'll leave it at that then. Uh, Russ, thanks for doing it. <laughs> I will rejoin you in about ten seconds for crossing broadcast. This has been. The most ambitious crossover uh, project since um, Infinity War. Infinity War. I always want to say Xfinity War. I'm like, like, <laughs> you know, because Comcast is hammered into my brain living in Philadelphia. Because uh, Comcast cares. It's always soccer in Philadelphia episode, whatever. Rush Joy, Kevin Kincaid, Baxter was somewhere around here. Thanks for joining us, and we'll see you next time.